Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 31 of our podcast that was originally recorded on June 30th of 2014. Some of the news stories I discussed for the week. Sony's finally releasing the blue DualShock 4 controller in the U.S. this fall. Star Citizens reaching over $47 million in funding. Oculus VR is acquiring the engineering team behind the Xbox 360 controller. Razer announces a console for the future at Google I.O. YouTube's adding a tip jar. Let's make some money. International exceeds $10 million in prizes. Cube World's getting a quest systems. Some of the games I played for the week, RBI Baseball 14, Banished, a couple others, and of course I talk about what I want to play now. Enjoy the episode. Good evening, gamers. Welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. We are on episode 31. This week we're going to have some new stories. I'm also going to talk about what I played for the week and then get into a few things that I want to play now and some of the things coming up that I want to play. I think a lot of people may actually like, so we're going to look forward to that. Let's start off with some introductory stuff. My name is Joe Luzzi. Um, you can find us, what I'm playing now, at gmail.com. Send us some emails if you would like us to talk about anything in particular. Follow us on Twitter, at what I'm playing now. We have a Google Plus page, plus.google.com, the slash plus sign after that what i'm playing now podcast and then our twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what i'm playing now um last week on the wednesday feed i think it was wednesday i can't remember what the t- i've been doing them on different days because of so many different things going on but normally we have the way back wednesday feed and we've been playing ultima um so that's been pretty good we're going to talk about that actually during the what i'm playing now section of the game or of the podcast, as that was that's what one of the games we actually played for the week around here. So let's get into some news stories. One of the first news stories is um, Sony is finally releasing um, the what they're referring to as the Wave Blue DualShock 4 controller for the PlayStation 4 console. Um, when the console first came out back in November, um, I believe that there was a blue controller and a red controller that was released... Um, I can't remember where it was actually released. I know it wasn't released in the U.S. Um, the controllers were expected to launch in U.S. and Canada, um, but they, they're just coming out now, and I'm, I'm really surprised that they actually took this long to actually come out. Um, and it's crazy that they're just releasing the blue one now in the U.S., and they're not releasing the red one as well. So Sony has a lot of missing things for the, from from some of their um, product lines. Um, I'm still... I'm, I'm, I've talked about before that I have the 64 gig uh, memory card in my um, Vita, which I actually had imported from Japan. Um, so that still hasn't been announced. They actually did announce the Vita TV um, back during E3 days. So we know that that's coming out in the U.S. Um, but we're still missing the red controller. Um, still don't have the 64 gig memory card. And I've noticed one of my um, original controllers, um, one of my day one, I don't know if it's the controller that actually came with the console, or if it was the controller I picked up the day after um, I got the console. Um, but I've read online uh, before that some people were having issues with thumbsticks. Um, some of them were basically deteriorating, and some of them were, were basically the, the rubber was kind of basically just coming off, and you're getting down to plastic. And I have a controller that that, 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 that is actually happening to. Um, my wife and I were playing some games uh, this past week, and the controller she had, she was noticing um, there was actually quite a bit of plastic exposed to where the rubber has pretty much just been rubbed away and, and is gone now. And I had seen that um, 
a couple of pieces of the rubber had come off before, but I really didn't think too much of it. But I have a feeling I may have to send this back to them now because it's really, it, it's really going to be hard to play with the controller considering your your thumb is just going to be hit sitting on the plastic, and that's going to be quite uncomfortable to play with for any any short any period of time. So. Sony, expect to have um, a controller come back for me. I wouldn't mind getting a blue one. Um, if if you if, the, if you guys could arrange that, I'd really appreciate that. Um, I guess I won't be greedy, though. If I get one of the original black-colored ones, I will take it, um, just as long as if um, I don't have to send it back in anymore after this. So we're going to jump over to some Nintendo news. Um, Nintendo president um, had surgery last week. Satoru Iwata, um, I guess, had some health issues that he had to get taken care of. Um, I was reading a couple of forums, and some people were wondering why um, his surgery was actual news. And one of the things I had posted um, on one of the forums was, keep in mind that um, Nintendo is a publicly, publicly traded company. Um, so normally when um, one of their big... Um, you know, one of the people that are that are pretty high up in the company that's pretty much forward-facing and, and talks to the public quite a bit, um, like he does, um, whenever they have health issues, they, they pretty much have to disclose some of that stuff. Now, they don't have to necessarily go into, you know, details due to um, laws and and things of that nature um, when it comes to, comes to that. But, um, but I, I think it's a good idea that Nintendo actually you know, talks about this. He actually comes out and says what's all going on with him. He says everything's fine now. Um, and and I, I think that's a good idea. It seems like Nintendo's had a little turnaround um, ever since the release of Mario Kart 8. Um, so they've actually been selling a few more Wii U consoles. Um, this is probably one of the reasons why they, they might have actually gone the route of what they did for a recorded E3 um, instead of doing like live sessions like uh, Microsoft and Sony did, um, considering Satoru Iwata couldn't be at E3, um, and he actually missed, um, I guess they were having a shareholders meeting this month, that was something that he was going to miss as well, but some good news actually came out of that shareholders meeting, with uh, the Wii U actually selling a little bit more, and with uh, Mario Kart 8 doing good, and some of the other games that they have coming up for the next year, um, he was actually re-elected onto the board of directors. Um, so he's going to stay as president, and um, hopefully he gets well soon and can come back. It sounds like he's actually doing some of his job functionality um, through email and a couple other ways. Um, he's probably not back to the day-to-day -day grind um, yet, and that may take a little while for him to get back there, but hopefully he heals up soon, can get back to things, and Nintendo can keep turning things around. So we're going to jump from Nintendo to the Star Citizen game, um, which is the, from Chris Roberts, um, who was the creator of Wing Commander. Uh, and we've talked about this game on a couple other podcasts in the past, and basically how much crowdfunding uh, support this game has actually gotten. And, and they basically hit another milestone um, by getting $47 million in funding. Which is just a crazy, a crazy amount of, of backers that have come to this game. So, so they did the whole Kickstarter thing. After Kickstarter, they took the crowdfunding over to their website and have continued along and allowing people to do basically, you know, pre-register for the game and pre-buy the game and stuff like that. Um, and from the GameSpot article, it looks like they're up to 486,748 total backers currently. And they're well over 47 million. At 47 million, um, 
they're still having different kind of goals that you can unlock, kind of like what they do with Kickstarter, which is kind of interesting um, that they're actually continuing that because you think at one point in time they would actually just say, okay, we're not going to add any more further features to this game. We want to get the game done, so continue to support us. It will help speed up the process and get the games into your hands. Um, but it sounds like they're still they're still letting um, they're still letting customers unlock things by you know the backers unlock things at forty seven million. They unlocked um, the engine tuning kit, and I believe in reading the GameSpot article, they had one more item I think that you could unlock at forty nine million which backers will receive the Xeon Space Plant, which is basically similar to, to a bonsai tree. I'm not really too sure what that would do in the game, um, but it's it's kind of crazy that um, that Cloud Imperium, game, Cloud Imperium Games is the company who's actually putting the game together, um, and Star Citizen has basically reached that, that, that type of money, uh, which is... It's kind of crazy for crowdfunding, considering crowdfunding really hasn't been around for that long, and this is probably one of the biggest crowdfunding um, stories that you know has has come to date so far. So it'll be interesting, one, how much further they can go with this, and two, if anybody else will be able to surpass them with the amount of money that they're actually pulling in um, for this crowdfunding game. So it's a game that I'm actually kind of interested in. I have not crowdfunded it yet. I have thought about it. Um, I may do that soon. We'll have to wait and see what all happens. I got a lot of games that I want to play and a couple other games that, um, I have my eye on. So, um, we'll actually see how the development of the game continues along. So we're going to jump over to another story. Um, a couple of different Oculus stories that we have here. One good and one, I don't know if I would say bad or not, but probably in their eyes not good because they're having to spend money and, I mean, from what some may say is a waste of money. But let's start off with the first article. Um, both articles were basically written um, from that I grabbed from Polygon. And the first one was the Oculus VR acquired the team that engineered the Xbox 360 controller. So it sounds like Oculus basically grabbed up Carbon Design Group. They helped develop the Xbox 360 controller um, as well as um, some Kinect stuff for Microsoft. And it sounds like they're going to be working on um, some Oculus VR stuff, which actually sounds pretty cool. Um, I'm sure everybody's quite familiar with the 360 controller. Uh, probably one of the best controllers that was um, ever released. I know it was popular among the whole last generation is probably the controller of choice. Um, everybody's using it on their PCs. I have one of the dongles to use it on my PC as well. That's what I use on a lot of the racing games and other games that I have on Steam. Um, I do kind of prefer the PS4 controller a little bit more now, I think, than the 360 controller, but um, you, you have to give kudos to the 360 controller and how good of a design it actually was. Um, so I think that team coming over to Oculus VR should be really exciting for them. Oculus has a lot going on. They do have another um, version of their device um, that they showed off at E3 uh, that's supposed to be coming out, I think, it, later on in the summer, maybe in the fall. Um, oh, it's actually expected to ship in July, so that's actually going to be, well, I guess I could say next month, considering today is just um, the, the the last day in June. Um so we'll have to wait and see what this team is actually going to be doing for Oculus and what they actually produce. That should be kind of cool and exciting. 
So, on to some other news for Oculus. I talked about the story um, several weeks ago, um, Zenimax, the, law, the, the lawsuit from Zenimax. Um, as I said before, I'm not a lawyer. I have no inside scoop into any of this stuff. I'm just going to give my opinion for what it's worth. Take it or leave it. Um, once again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. Don't want to be a lawyer. Um, but basically, I got a couple of different articles, actually. I found an article on GameSpot and an article on um, Polygon where they were basically talking about um, Oculus has filed, or Oculus VR basically filed their response um, into court today, and they were basically just stating pretty much everything that I think we kind of knew from what from what they were going to say originally, stating that there is no code of that Zenimax had you know created that is in the Oculus VR. Um, everything that Oculus has done has basically been created by you know. Lucky Palmer, who was the gentleman who started Oculus and who created most of the stuff for the Oculus Rift. Um, you know, there's it sounds like there were some NDAs that were that were that he that were signed back then. It's gonna be interesting to actually see how this all plays out because basically I think Oculus is taking the stand that Zenimax never really did anything until about two months after Facebook um had purchased them. And once uh, Zenimax was kind of aware of this and they knew that uh, there was a possible payout for them and that they had probably, you know, passed up a, a pretty good deal um, with possibly working with Oculus and getting into the whole virtual reality headset um, market and they, they kind of passed it up, um, I think they just wanted a piece of the, piece of the pie that was probably going to be coming out of this because um, I think now they actually see um, with Sony talking about their VR stuff, that this is probably going to be something that that could be big in the next couple of years. And I think we've, you know, as we all know, I've talked about VR in this past in the in the past before on a couple episodes. I'm really stoked for it. I can't actually wait to get one of these devices in my hand, really start using it on a much, you know, more normal basis. Um, not get sick from it. I have never used it, but I know some people with some of the lower resolution and some of the first generation stuff were were getting a little sicker. So. Hopefully when I get one in my hands, it'll be a nice, nice, crisp, good-looking display um, that um, doesn't have those, um, you know, kind of icky side effects. So we'll wait and see what comes out, what comes out of this. I'm sure we're going to be talking about this story more on in the future. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. Um, both companies sound like they want a, they want this um, lawsuit to go um, before a jury. And it sounds like both companies are requesting that. So... Um, it sounds like that actually may happen. So good luck to both companies. Um, and hopefully we can get everything settled out and everybody can continue on with their day to day work and, you know, not, not pretty much delay any of the, any of the things that, um, either company may be producing. So the next story I'm going to jump into is a story from Eurogamer.net that I had found. I can't remember where I actually found this game, this article at, um, but it was an article on the Dungeon Keeper game that EA had released um, for the mobile systems. And, well, it was a game I was really looking forward to and really couldn't wait to download when it finally, you know, was available on my phone and I was able to download it and I saw the type of monetization that was in the game. Um... It was just something that really didn't last too long on my phone. Um, so one of the one of the editors or one of the writers from Eurogamer.net actually sat down with um, the EA CEO, um, who 
was actually to, who was actually talking, he was able to um, ask him quite a bit about um, Dungeon Keeper and um, what he kind of thought of how the game was received and what kind of EA did wrong in regards to this. And, and I think EA is finally realizing that um, they actually did make some mistakes um, in releasing the game and how they released it. And they kind of were... I don't want to say they were misguided, but they basically just made some wrong decisions in what the market was basically willing to bear, um, especially in regards to play. Um, it does sound like um, EA had actually gone to Peter Molyneux and asked him if he had a chance to maybe play the game before it was released. He was too busy at the time, um, and, he, and in the article it actually says that you know he, he stated he kind of wished he would have actually played it, because um, I think he probably would have given them some tips as to... Um, what possibly to do and what not to do um, for the game. Um, there, he said there were some game. There were Peter Molyneux had actually stated that there were a few things in the game that he did like, and there were some things that he didn't. And he said most of the stuff, you know, it, it's sad that there were more negatives than positives um, when when he actually played the game. Um, but as far as what um, you know, EA had to say about this, it sounds like you know they they realized that that the game wasn't released under under the best under the best way possible so it, it it seems like one of the things towards the end of the article that um he had stated towards towards the end of their conversation was that fifa world was something that was just released for the pc i haven't played that myself um so i'm not familiar with that but i guess it's a free-to-play game on the pc it includes microtransactions but i guess it was it wasn't as much in your face as the stuff in dungeon keeper was um so it sounds like it was it was a little bit more well received and and we all know that free-to-play games can be well received i mean you have league of legends you have dota 2 you have so many other games out there that are that are free to play that are people play people are playing on a daily basis and actually are contributing money to and paying money to to play um but the way ea did it with dungeon keeper was just um just wasn't the right way uh so hopefully ea can learn from their mistakes and continue on and hopefully uh, the FIFA World game that was released isn't a one-off, and a lot of the things that they release in the future um, will be more along the lines of that, let's hope. So so one of the other things that happened last week was Google I.O. I watched a little bit, a little bit of the different news stories around Google I.O., and one of the things that kind of intrigued me, I think, the most was the the new Android system they have coming out, which is going to be... Uh, Android TV. I guess this is going to be replacing the Google TV. And it sounds like Razer is going to be getting in on this, and they have a console, what they're referring to as a console. It's like a micro console that's going to be coming out. Um, they haven't hit it. They haven't announced a price yet for it. Um, but it looks like a release from from the picture that's on the GameSpot article. It looks like a little slick box. Got has the Razer logo on it. Um, it's going to be playing games, music, movies. It's going to be able to stream some stuff. Um, so it basically sounds like what they're trying to do is take, um, the Google TV, which I had the original from one of the original ones from Logitech, uh, which, which I, I did like for a while. Um, it just wasn't updated enough. It just didn't stay current. I think the hardware was a little lacking, um, on the performance side. 
Uh, so I think that was a, a few things. It was, but for being a first-generation product, you kind of expect those types of things. You, it's not going to be perfect. Most most of these types of new gen, new things aren't perfect out of the box. So I'm really interested to see interested to see what this revamp of this Android TV. Um, what type of processor they have in this. Uh, I guess it's going to be playing games from the Google market, so that's going to be kind of interesting. Um, my biggest concern is I, I really don't know if I really want to play any of the games that are on my phone on, on a big TV, though. I mean, I have so many... I have other consoles that are hooked up to the TV that are much, much better games that I that I find on, on the phone. Um... But I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see, you know, what all happens with this and what comes about, what the price of this is gonna be. Um, you know, there there's some there's some competition in this market now. You have Amazon's Fire TV, you have the Ouya. Um, so we're gonna have to wait and see how this Android TV comes out, um, what it's all running, what you're able to do with it, what you're not able to do with it, um, how much you're gonna maybe maybe possibly gonna be able to hack it. That'll be something that could be interesting if you can go in and do different things. Um, so. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. So kind of looking forward to that and hearing some more information about that. So one of the other stories I found this week was a Polygon article. And YouTube is adding support for 60 frames a second video as well as what they are referring to as a tip jar. I guess the YouTube CEO, Susan Wojcicki, stated that um, you can liken what they're doing to kind of like a tip jar. Um, I guess you can basically tip the, tip anybody who's doing YouTube stuff um, if they're if they're if they have that feature enabled anywhere is between um, one and five hundred dollars. It sounds like so that should be kind of interesting. Um, some of these types of features are becoming a little more popular. I mean, you have the crowdfunding site like Kickstarter. You also have Patreon, which is another site that I think a lot of people are using, um, and they're getting a lot of success out of that, where you can basically you know, offer money to, to people who are doing subscription-like services or producing content on a weekly, daily, monthly, weekly basis or something like that. So um, I think this is a pretty good idea for, um, for YouTube to be doing. We'll have to see how this turns out. We'll have to see when they turn this on for everybody. It sounds like they're um, looking for some people who to actually do some testing on this and actually see how this works up right now. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of all for these things. Um, I don't have anything like this enabled right now for our site. I wouldn't mind doing something like that in the future to maybe just help cover the cost of the of the website and the servers and all that stuff and you know what we have running for our little site here, which, which isn't really that much, but... Any little bit would help, um, but I really like doing this stuff. The wife lets me do it. It's a nice little hobby, so it's, this is what I get to play with. So I'm not spending tons of money on it, and I'm sure that there are people who spend a lot more money than I do, so I try to keep my costs, you know, in a reasonable amount. But if I was able to get some people to help out and and supplement that, I wouldn't wouldn't mind that at all, and I'm sure my wife wouldn't either, so... Um, we got a couple more news stories here to cover before we jump into what we played for the week. Um, speaking of Dota 2 a little bit ago, the International, the Dota 2 tournament that's going to be coming up here shortly, has topped $10 million in prize money. Last year, I believe, basically they topped around $2.8 million, um, is what the GameSpot article had stated. Um, and this year, they're, they're over 10 now, and, and, it's still be, and the, the companion is still being sold. 
that is just quite amazing, I think, in a year to take um, a jump of over three times uh, the dollar amount. And that's just a crazy amount of money. Um, you know, they're breaking breaking all sorts of records with this um, as far as eSports goes. And um, GameSpot had a really cool um, little infographic on here that they had and it was basically prize pulls and salaries and millions of dollars and how much basically they were getting for um the the international as opposed to other other you know other events that were happening like sporting events i mean so you know you have the world cup which is huge but then you know the international's pretty much not far behind it, and it's it's kind of amazing if you see this little graph. Um, of course, I'll have all the links to all this stuff in the show notes, so you'll be able to go take a look at this stuff. But I just kind of got a kick out of that, and you know, congratulations to them and kudos to that. That's quite amazing. And then right before the right before I started the podcast, I was looking around on my feed, um, my Twitter feed, and saw a Kotaku article that had just been posted a little bit ago. And it was about Cube World, and I was like, a Cube World article, is this an old article? Is this a new article? And lo and behold, it is a new article. And they are talking about the quest system um, that they're working on right now. Um, must be damn good, because I think it's been well over a year since the game's been updated. So, um, But I guess they go into, there's actually a YouTube video that shows the quest system. And some of the things that they were kind of showing in the quest system were gathering quests. Um, there were different kill quests you can go do, and then they actually showed an arena. I don't know if it's going to be like a horde mode, but it's not, it looks like you basically fight somebody. You can go back and talk to uh, the NPC, you can th and then move on to fight somebody else. And I'm guessing they're probably going to get increasingly harder, is the way those modes normally work. I guess for the quest system, though, um, the developers actually had some issues because of the way the world is procedurally generated. I guess it's kind of generated on the fly around the player. So when you're having quests that are possibly in static locations and sending you from one end of the world to the other, and those kind of parts of the world and environments haven't been really created yet, it's kind of hard for them to do the quests. So they basically had to, to get around that system. They also changed... Um, the way they actually started some of the questing stuff, I guess it kind of, they were starting off doing originally more MMO style, and then they kind of just went to, you basically just go around and explore and un un uncover quests, I guess would be about the easiest way to say it. So it doesn't really, I don't know if they're really going to have NPCs that are going to show anything maybe over their head, like an exclamation mark or something. In the video, it shows that. But then when reading the article, it almost sounds like they pulled that out. And it almost sounds like they were going a little more... Um, it kind of re reminded me of playing Ashron's Call, where you're basically... There's a lot of quests in the game, but the NPCs in Ashron's Call really aren't defined as quest givers they are defined basically as an npc you can go up and talk to you can purchase different things from them different tips and you can find the you know find the quest and find the different locations and stuff like that but it's not really something where you're clicking on somebody with an exclamation point or you know a defining mark over their head and then following a track to a quest or anything like like a lot of the quests are and what um what what they've actually done in the mmo realm so it's going to be interesting to see what they actually do with this and how this this um update comes out or when or if it ever actually does come out um so really didn't think i would be talking about q world again um but lo and behold there we are there's a q world article so i had to talk about it 
So we're going to jump on to what I'm playing now. So what did I play for the week? Um, actually picked up a couple of um, new games. Um, game on the PS4. Picked up a game game on the Steam sale. And played a, a few outside games, I guess we could say, while we were outside um, drinking one evening. So the one game I picked up on the PS4, RBI Baseball 14. I've been talking about that game ever since we originally heard about it. Was really excited for it. The graphics look okay. They're not earth-shattering. They're not like um, Sony's baseball game. Um, so it doesn't have that level of graphics. It doesn't have that level of playability. Um... I'm still trying to figure out how I like playing the game. Yeah, whether I like using the kind of actual D-pad or whether I like using the joystick. I kind of like using the D-pad for pitching and controlling few things. And then my thumb seems to go over to the joystick and the thumb pad for... Um, the thumbstick for other things. So I seem to be kind of going back and forth. And I'm trying to force myself to do one or the other. And I... I just can't. I can't do pitching with the thumbstick. Um, I really prefer pitching with the the D-pad. But then I, I I like controlling the outfielders more with the thumbstick than with the D-pad. So it's I'm I'm really torn on that game right now. I was originally starting to play the first game um, as the Indians. Um, since I do live in Ohio, I live near Cleveland, I said, let me try as the Indians. And the scores in the games were just flipping outrageous. So I actually changed to the Dodgers. Um, the scores are much, much uh, more in line with normal um, you know, Major League Baseball scoring and what you would think games should be. They're not all double digits like they were with the Indians. So um, I'm, ha I'm having some fun with the game. Um, and I'm still going to play. I'm going to play it some more. I'm going to try to get my wife to play it a little with me and see. It doesn't have any online component to it. It's all just local co-op and stuff. So um, we're going to actually see if we can get some games in. Um, but so far, I kind of like the RBI Baseball. Um, it definitely does reckon back to and throw back to the old ba the old um, baseball games. You know, the, the controls just aren't... I don't want to say they're not smooth because the, cause the controls are good, but it, it definitely plays like the old baseball games you would think back on the Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and the Genesis. Um, it, it just has that feel to it. And if you've never played one of those games, it's really hard for me to describe it. Um, but it does definitely have that feel to it. So that that's one good thing um, that they were able to keep that. Uh, one of the other games I picked up for the week was a game called Banished. It's an early game. Um, that was out. That's out on Steam. It came out um, several months ago, I think. I never had a chance to pick it up. It was on sale one of the days um, on Steam, so I actually picked it up. It was something I had been wanting to play for a while. I had been wanting to get into a game where, where you're kind of like building and growing a, a colony of people and, and play that type of game. Um, kind of like a strategy type game. So I picked up Banished. I was playing it over the weekend, played it Saturday, um, played it quite a bit Sunday, and then um, actually played it a little bit earlier today before the podcast. Um, I've been reading up quite a bit of it on the on a couple of different forums and trying to get some different tips and tricks. Um, I already see a couple of things I've done wrong in my initial one. Um, maybe next Saturday I'll try to do a stream of that and maybe start a whole new colony over. Um, but so far I'm kind of liking it. Um, in reading some of the Steam reviews, some people are saying that after a little while, they kind of just thought it got a little repetitive. It kind of they just kind of burnt out on it. Um, so so far, I kind of like it. It's kind of it's kind of feeding an itch that I had to play something a little different. I was kind of getting tired of playing role playing games um, and a lot of the other sandbox type games. Um, so I was kind of looking for something that would be more 
um, I don't want to say that would reckon back to the days of Warcraft, but it, it's it's kind of like a building simulator type of game. I mean, where you're trying to just build up your colony and a community. So um, I've been wanting to play Civilization V, but we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Um, so one of the other games I actually played for the week, I actually got a chance to finally play Drinking Quest. Um, this, is a, this is a card game uh, we picked up at PAX East. Um, it's a cool little card game. It's a role-playing game, and it's actually based around drinking. So... There's four different quests that actually came in our box set, and I, I guess there's multiple quests that come in each one. I really don't know. We picked up the third one because the third one had the color cards. I think the first two are just um, black and white cards. Um, but the third one actually was color cards. The cards look really nice. Um, they have a really good feel to them. They're not too thin. They're not too flimsy. Um, the instructions are very, very simple. Uh, each player basically takes um, a hero uh, you write down your stats on a little notepad at the beginning of each turn. Every player draws a card. Or, well, one player draws a card. If it's their turn, they read the card and then basically kind of react to what happens. So you could have something happen, like you attack a monster, or you can find something, um, and then you have to deal with it basically with one of your stats. Uh, the dice that you use for the game are all six-sided dice, and they give you three six-sided dice. Um, so it's really nice and convenient. Um, and it's 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 all just just a nice compact little game that's um really easy to play was really really quick for us to pick up on it was one of the few games that after reading the instructions and just playing it for a couple of minutes i really didn't have to refer to the instructions anymore i I felt really comfortable with the game um the drinking comes in in the in the part that um different cards will have you drink throughout the game um we had already started drinking before starting to play the game um if your character dies you're supposed to have to chug your drink uh you only chug your drink once during each quest if you have to if you do die again a second time during the same quest um you're just supposed to take maybe a big swig not chug your whole drink um so they want you so so the 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 developer of the game was basically trying to keep in mind that um you need to be coherent to be able to finish all four quests um we didn't finish all four quests because we were actually playing outside it was getting really dark it was kind of hard to see some of the cards and read some of the print on it um just because we really didn't have a lot of light um with where we were um so we kind of jumped over to zombie dice after that and finished off the nice playing a couple of rounds of zombie dice um which is always a fun little game you really don't need to see a lot i have a little app downloaded on my phone which can help us which helps us keep score um so it's nice and easy and you there really isn't a whole hell of a lot to zombie dice if you've never played it before it's a nice little game from steve jackson games we like playing it um especially when we're drinking because like i said you really the rules on that game are easier than Drinking Quest, and it's it's just really easy to play. Um, so last week, Wednesday, I actually had continued along with uh, my Ultima 1 playthrough. I had a much, much better week than I had uh, the previous week. I had actually read up, learned a couple of things, um, basically just did kind of like a grind for a little while. If you watch the video that I have posted up to the site, I actually have both videos posted up to the site now under our gameplay section. And... Um, I was actually able to level my character up. I think I jumped up to level 4 and, and was actually able to get um, some really top good armor, some nice weapons. I was able to buy a vehicle. Um, I have some gold left over. I have a crap load of food. I actually have. I actually felt like I was actually getting somewhere finally in the game. Um, so I think what I do this week, Wednesday, I'm actually going to try to do a little bit more exploring in the dungeon. And since I actually have the vehicle and can get around a little better... 
I'm actually going to see if I can maybe finish one of the first quests in the game. So, I mean, I've only been playing the game for maybe about a couple hours now, and I'm sure I read some people who said they could you can plow through the game pretty quickly if you kind of know what you're doing in a couple hours, uh, like I had stated when I originally started playing. I've only screwed around with the game a little bit on the Commodore 64 way back in the day. I never really played it too, too much. Just kind of dabbled around with it, never got into it, um, and kind of just maybe wanted to finish it now and actually just be able to mark that off of my my backlog of things. That's well over 20 years ago. So um, That's about what I was playing for the week. Um, just a couple of games there. Um, but some of the things I want to play now, one of the games coming up on my radar is a game called Wayward Manor. It's actually written by Neil Gaiman, who did um, the Sandman comic. Um, that was probably one of my favorite comics from when I had worked back at the comic book store years ago. Um, it's a really cool little game. Looks kind of interesting. I'll have the link to the website on the, on the webpage. Um, I guess that's going to be coming out of here shortly, so I got my eye on that one. Uh, I may pick that one up. Um, since I've been playing Banished, um, it's kind of curing the itch for the Civilization V game that I have downloaded from Steam, and I just haven't started up yet. Um, I almost did go with Civ V and start playing that over the weekend instead of buying Banished. But um, the last time I sat down to play Civ V, it just seemed like I just really didn't want to sit down and just learn Civ V, because it's been so long since I played a Civilization game. But um, I have a feeling sooner or later in the next couple of weeks... Um, I will be launching Civ Five and actually getting into it. So I'm going to play Banish for a little bit longer, um, see how far we can get with that, do a couple of streams for that maybe, and then maybe I'll jump over to to doing some Civ Five stuff. And maybe I can even get um, get a couple of other people and do some Civ Five multiplayer with because I know a couple of guys at work have been um, kind of bugging me to play some Civ Five online against them, and I told them I need to play a little offline so I don't get annihilated and look like an idiot. So um, that's the other thing that I'm kind of wanting to play. One of the other things that I've been wanting to play, um, Amazon had a, a sale on their app store the other day where they were giving away like 30 games and apps and a bunch of stuff. And one of the games was Adventure Time Card Wars, which I had actually purchased probably about a month ago um, off the Google Play Store. Um, but I actually had to return the game and get a refund for it, which I was kind of bummed about because it was something I was really interested in playing. Um the game just blows up on my phone, and I don't have that old of a phone. I have an HTC One, um, the M7 version, so I have last year's model. Uh, and no matter what I would do, the game would basically get to the intro, the sound would start playing, and the game would just blow up. It, it sounds like I'm not the only one that this is happening to, though, when you go read the forums. So I figure, you know what, if it's free on the Amazon App Store, let me grab it now. This way I don't have to repurchase it. I was hoping maybe that... Their version would be a little bit newer on the Amazon than what was on the Google Play Store, although I, I kind of knew that Google Play Store would probably have the newer version over Amazon, but I was kind of still crossing my fingers and hoping that maybe it would work. Same thing happened. You get to the intro part, you get to the music starts playing, and the game blows up. So I was like, all right, hell with it. So then I started looking around, and I noticed that um, back in January, I think it was, that Cryptozoic actually released the actual card game the physical card game for Adventure Time Card Wars. So I'm going to watch some videos on that. Um, I think I have in the past, but I'm going to re-watch them again, and I think I may be getting in a couple of the starter decks, and we'll see if I get a box of boosters or maybe just a couple of booster packs. I may start off with just a couple of booster packs, because if I get a whole box of boosters, like um, I used to buy my Magic the Gathering cards, the wife may smack me upside the head. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But I definitely want to get in the two starter decks they have out there that look pretty cool. And that's one of the other things that I'm kind of interested in playing now. So that's about it. 
that's the end of an episode. I've been chatting here for quite a while, so we're going to bring the episode to a close. Uh, if you have any tips, anything for us to talk about on the show that you want us to know about, um, anybody that we could possibly interview, uh, I may start looking into do that here shortly, get a couple people online to start chatting with me. Send us some emails, what I'm playing now at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. I usually tweet out when I'm going to be doing the podcast, which is usually on Monday night. Um, Wednesday night, I try to do the Way Back Wednesday stream, and I'm going to try to bring back the Saturday stream. I've been pretty steady the past two Wednesdays with the Wednesday one. Um, the Saturday one, I just need to kind of sit down on Saturday and just pull myself away from um, all the house and yard work and everything kind of going on around here and just actually do a stream on Saturday already and start getting back into the habit of doing that. So follow us on Twitter, like I said, what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G. Um, we have a Google Plus page, plus.google.com, slash, and then the plus sign, what I'm playing now podcast. And then, of course, whenever I'm doing the streams, it's on twitch.tv, slash, what I'm playing now. So have a good week, everybody. Go play some games, enjoy yourself, and we'll catch you next week with another episode of What I'm Playing Now. We'll see you later. <laughs>